0: best thing about this mic is i don't have to move that trunk when i can take a drink Trunk.
1: <laughs> uh oh Uh oh stopped
2: yeah but i have a straw you just have to have a straw
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. rebecca i still have a fourth microphone if oh okay well if you want you know it's just over here <laughs> uh fun fact i've I've been I've been nursing this for like th- four days. Three four <laughs> hours at least. That's gross. It's yeah, tiny little thing. That's, that's what is just that? It's just iced coffee. Oh,
0: looks like brown water. Well, the <laughs> ice <laughs> at this point the
1: ice has play. melted and it's yeah, little. It's not doing anything for you. Brown bean water. Uh, this is Sarah. Hi. <laughs> Sarah is title title title.
2: Certified
0: Looking professional,
1: yes. certified professional midwife. There we go. Okay. Uh, this is my second, second, uh, second week of having notes. I bought a specific notebook for it. Certified professional midwife. Uh, and man, there's all kinds of different directions that this conversation is could and will <laughs> go in. Um, so. Buckle up, folks. Um, man, how about we start with how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great.
0: Uh, Is that question Wait, director how are that
1: you hurt? Doing? Oh, either of you. I, I was <laughs> talking to the guest, but
0: oh. Oh. either way. <laughs> he doesn't care about us.
1: No, I mostly, I mostly just wanted to make sure that your mic was up there, but you're good. Oh. Okay, good. Yeah, wonderful. I do like your shoes. Thanks. Um, man, where to start? I think
2: that was me, not you
1: uh yeah where where does this start at like uh did you were you born in your living room your parents living room like
2: no my mom um was scared of hospitals when i was born oh um but she so i was born in a birthing center in Las Vegas that didn't make me think what? ever I was gonna be a midwife first
1: of all Las Vegas Second that's where all I'm from yeah uh, what's the difference between a birthing center and a hospital
2: um, well they're you know they're not doing c-sections they're only probably seeing low-risk women okay kind of thing okay um, she had a midwife um, mm. named Valerie who I you know because I'm a midwife now have tried to <laughs> like Facebook search and find her I can't find her oh so anyway no I n- I was never I there were several things that I was before I became a midwife. That was never um, never anything I was going to do. I had my first two babies in the hospital. They were both born on Pitocin, okay. um, both inductions. Um, and uh, the one was 24-hour <laughs> induction. Um, and then the second one was uh, about six hours. So <clears throat> I... I still felt like even though I was on Pitocin, um, I never got an epidural. I was deathly mm-hmm. scared of getting a needle into my back. Um, and so I still felt like my births were really great. And I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, why are all these ladies like having crappy birth experiences? You mm-hmm. know, cause we, we do, we all talk about how our births went and it's mostly horror stories. We, everybody wants to talk about how terrible their situation was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that. And she said, oh, you should become a doula. And I didn't know what that was. Doula is just a labor support person. Um, we don't do anything medical as with our doula hat on. Um, but it's all just lots of support and education and stuff like that. And so it just so happened that in three weeks, there was a training in our area. And I didn't have the couple hundred dollars to do it. My mom was like, hey, I'll pay for it for you. And I was like, OK. So I became a doula. Um, And
1: time stamp this for me.
2: Yeah, so this was seven years ago. Uh, Okay. So, so yeah, seven years ago, um, did my training. To become certified, you have to do – at the time, it was like three births. You have to be with her from four centimeters on. So – I had a friend that was going to have a baby. I had another friend that was going to have a baby. And then some random home birth mom found me and said, hey, you're probably free because you're new, right? And I was ah. like, yeah, I am free because I'm new.
1: Were you on some type... Temp- did you get entered into some type temp- like of registry or something? Um,
2: She... I think that she found my trainer first and just said, hey, do you have any doulas that you just trained? Because she didn't want gotcha. to pay for it. So, um So it worked out that those three births happened within four days. Mm -hmm. And I kind of reflect on that in my life now, like that is how it is. You just, you know, you can't plan because one baby was a little late. Um, The one was a scheduled C-section. So she was, you know, right on time. And then the one was a little early. So it was very action-packed. So that was that third birth, though, was the home birth. And that was my first ever experience experience with with home birth. And I... It never occurred to me that maybe I would do a home birth myself. Um, Uh But after meeting Bernice, who was the midwife that was there, I was like, dude, when can we have another baby so I can have a home birth? (laughs) I like that was what I needed to
1: do. Okay. So you had two children Mm -hmm. in hospitals. Yes. Those experiences were good?
2: Yeah. At the time, I thought that I felt... Like, they were great. But now, with a little bit more, you know, I wish I hadn't been on Pitocin. Sure. Like, it wasn't medically necessary that I was induced, you know, mm-hmm. those kind of things.
1: So, your experience was good. Mm-hmm. You, as a mom, you know all kinds of other moms, mm-hmm. and you hear horror stories all the time. You're thinking, like, why? I, this, this wasn't as terrible as these ladies are making it sound. Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's the disconnect here? Mm-hmm. that causes you to pursue becoming a doula.
2: Yeah. Cuz I thought maybe I can help.
1: Uh explain to me like, like what's what's a doula?
2: Okay, so a doula um is a Labor support person. So we come alongside women. We usually see them a few times prenatally mm-hmm. um, We're in kind of constant contact throughout their labor whether we're there or not yet So lots of texting back and forth usually at some point dad takes over the texting or partner takes over the texting and Eventually, you know, we join mom sometimes that's at home and sometimes that's when they get to the hospital mm-hmm. most of the births that I've served as a doula um, have been hospital births. Okay. So there's some education that goes into it, but usually I recommend that especially first time moms do a, a childbirth education course. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's only so much I can cover in the few hours that we're together. Sure. So, um, and then we get to the hospital. Um, there's a lot of, you know, helping them follow their birth plan. Um, you know, cause birth is intense and especially like once you get to transition, it's like, uh, maybe I do want that epidural or I kind of can't do this. I don't think I can, you mm-hmm. know, and all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. it's, you know, helping her remember like, but you know, you're, you're educated. You know what you want. You know that you can trust your body and your baby yeah. to do this together. You so you those of the, kind of things.
0: the one that's able to think more logically where they're super yeah, emotional. Yeah,
2: because I'm not, I'm not going through it right. and I'm detached enough from yeah. her. I mean, we've met each other a couple of times. I have it for super close friends. That's hard yeah. because... Then you're feeling everything, not to the intensity, but that their partner is feeling too. Because you, you know, with the friends that I do look for, you know, I love this person, and she's in pain, and that's hard to see. You know, that's one of the reasons that a doula is good, because usually, dad, that's really, really difficult for partners to see.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like, uh, I mean, having a child when you've never had a child before is like this, just giant ball of mystery. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like you're kind of just like a really good (coughs) mother-in-law.
2: Yeah, kind of. Like, I mean, I I don't know. Yeah, 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 (laughs) yeah. No, I can get behind that. Yeah. So we, yeah, there's just, there's a lot of support that goes into it. And a lot of the way that I operate as a doula is trying to help the partner find what they're supposed to be doing, even Mm -hmm. though, you know, we've talked about this and they've gone through childbirth education class and stuff. It's hard because... Right. You're all of a sudden in this intense situation in Mm -hmm. a foreign environment in the hospital. Yeah. And all of that stuff goes out the window usually. So (laughs) if I can just say like, you know, I it happens a lot that I'm like, hey, you know, you're doing a really great job. And then partners behind me. Yeah, you're doing a really great job. Yeah. Like they just need to be. Yeah. You know the guidance to say what they need to say sure you know sure and sometimes you know with a woman that's having a lot of back labor like eventually your arms are going to fall off when you're doing all that counter pressure mm-hmm. so it's nice to have a teammate to, yeah. to give, give a break you know and yeah. and you know make sure dad's eating make sure mom's drinking and having light snacks you know things like that cool establish breastfeeding
0: so you said that you were helpful for the partner um because they don't like to see their their wife struggling with a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, give them whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But I would see as being helpful helpful too for somebody who might be like me that like wants zero interventions at all. And the, and obviously if my wife was like, no, give me the intervention. And I'd be like, no, you're not
2: getting the intervention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's we're hard coming, too. Coming from you
0: Maybe where, Emily should be here. Because, <laughs> you know, that's never happened. No, you're a supportive remember. partner. But I'm just saying like, for some, for if, if the, the husband is like, no, we, we don't want this and they helped with the birth plan. But if the wife is like, you've never been through this, mm-hmm. so you can't tell me what to do. But somebody who's been through it and, again, is thinking more yeah. logically, I think that would yeah. be helpful as opposed to the husband saying, no, we're not doing intervention. Mm-hmm. That might yeah. not go well for them And
2: sometimes, you know, right, we want to make sure that we're keeping in mind that sometimes medical intervention is necessary. Yeah. And so, you know, helping them through that, like to process that, because I would say most of my ladies, I mean, if not all, you know, their birth planes are all the same. We don't want inter- any intervention. Mm-hmm. We want skin to skin contact right away, all those kind of things. And then you right, stuff happens because birth is unpredictable. And so sometimes my job shifts into this. I know that your birth plan was this, But we have to do this now because, you know, right now your baby isn't safe. You're not safe. Like we have to we have the plan has to change. So sometimes there's just some reassurance and guidance on that end of it, too. So
0: which to me would be. I guess the the mother would be more understanding about that if you were saying that to them as opposed to a doctor. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, because we've established this relationship. And, of course, right. they have a, a relationship with their provider. But with hospital providers, too, you're not getting a whole lot of one-on-one contact. You know, it's it's a short, your appointments are short mm. and, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. So it's helpful for a doula to be there to say, "Is this is all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, that we're deviating from the plan.
1: Yeah. Um, people are saying they can't hear you. I'll f- just try to deal with that in a second. Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, so, for the record, we can hear him. That means I'm recording it. So, you might just have to go back and listen to all of Alex's input mm. on the, you know, audio. Should or I come here so I can read my lips? Oh, Yeah, everybody wants audio. to read your lips the
2: whole time. <laughs> That's probably not what's <laughs> lost.
1: Um, okay. So, you're a doula. Mm-hmm. This is 2011-ish, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. So, you get thrown right in three births in four days Mm -hmm. is that right
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh you experience the home birth Mm -hmm. you tell your husband yes
2: he is my husband we need to do this yeah Yeah, this is what's gonna happen he was apprehensive i mean we weren't even pregnant and not even thinking about like Uh having another child Uh um but yeah i mean the ball started rolling for sure in my mind at least like this is what it is yeah you know So, um, we actually got pregnant that fall, like right before Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving, I found out I was pregnant. So, um, there's a high possibility maybe that I called my midwife first to tell her I was pregnant. And then I called Jared. Before telling your
1: husband? Is this like a, I feel like there's a bigger bigger story there.
2: Right, right. So, um, I just, you know, home birth midwives, they, um. They fill up so fast, and so the minute I knew I was pregnant, I wanted her to know so that she could, I could be on her calendar.
1: So, is that somebody you had met through your first experience, mm-hmm. or had you yep. done? It was more? the same.
2: I had done a few more, okay. um, and I had told her, you know, I really would like to assist you. I don't think that had happened at that point, um, but I had done. I had done quite a few births by the time I got pregnant with our third child. Which, when, when? The fall of two thousand eleven.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: Okay. So, um, so yeah, I started prenatal care with her. It was remarkably different. So I had an OB with my first baby and a nurse midwife at the hospital with my second. Okay. Um, but Bernice, my, um, midwife that was my, for my third baby, like we would, she's an, a little over an hour away. So my two girls and I would travel to go see her for our prenatal appointments. Um, she had horses, she has these two horses on her farm. And so like, it was like, we would do a prenatal visit and everything. And that was probably 45 minutes to an hour. Mm. And then my oldest would be like, but can we go see the horses? Yeah. And so Bernice yeah. would take her out and um, let her ride. I mean, we, she rode the horses every single time That's we cool. went. Yeah, it was like this whole different situation where she has taken care of me and she's taking care of my baby. But like she's taking care of my whole family and getting to know our dynamics and how we work. And you know, my kids were totally comfortable with her when she came to the house then at that point. Sure, right. Because you know, they they had this relationship. Yeah, Yeah. that seems
1: like an important piece of it.
2: Yeah, for sure. So so right, I'm pregnant. Um, I still did doula work. Actually, my last doula birth was exactly a month before I gave birth. So I was like hugely Sure. It was Carissa. <laughs> she oh. she's okay with me saying that. Um, so uh so yeah, I And sh-
1: she is also a doula.
2: Yeah, Carissa okay. is on yeah, on my team at Little Lambs. Um, oh, so yeah, she's super team. You have a yeah, team. I do more stuff on my team. Yeah. Um so leading up to Lydia, my baby's birth, I started to have a lot of anxiety about the fact that I was on Pitocin for my first two babies mm-hmm. and thinking, well, I just don't, uh, probably my body doesn't, doesn't do that. Doesn't my body do doesn't this. have enough oxytocin to, mm-hmm. to perform. And so, especially that last month, I was just, I was nervous. I I thought, oh my gosh, this is gonna be the birth that I'm gonna have to have a C-section, like all, you know, all of these f- thoughts and feelings and everything. And my midwife was just like, you know, I'm seeing her every week at that point the end of my pregnancy and she was so reassuring Mm -hmm. and um every time I texted her my worries or called her she just every time she'd pick up and say this is gonna be okay you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be taking you on if I didn't trust your body yeah you know and and um she just was man she was so amazing so um so yeah, I went into labor in the middle of the night. I stayed in bed like a good laboring woman should if they go into labor in the middle of the night. And, um,
0: as opposed uh, to what, what are do they do getting like up?
2: You can't, you, going I want, hospital? I always want ladies to stay in bed and, and rest as long as possible if it's the middle of the night. Sure. Because
0: so no air squats.
2: No, not no. in the middle of the night, unless yeah. you're going to like pop a kid out right now, then you should, I mean, maybe get up. Um, so, yeah, no, I stayed in bed. Um, my husband's alarm went off in the morning at probably 6.30. And uh, and I um, got up with him and I said, maybe you shouldn't go to work today. And he was like, are you going to have a baby? And I was like, I think so. He's like, well, you better figure out. Like, I don't want to, like, call <laughs> in sick and then, like, not have a baby, you know. And so I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I think you should call in. So he called in. He fed the dog, fed the chickens. Um... And I called my mom. She's been with us for all three of our babies, and I had her come over because I was still like, I was having contractions, but I just really was still doubting the fact that my body was actually going to do this. Yeah, yeah. So um, my mom came over, and she said, "You better call." And so I did, and I happened to have a contraction right as Bernice answered the phone. Oh, it's convenient. So all I said was my name, and she just said, "I'm on my way," like Mm -hmm. that was it. And so. she actually, Jared, my husband, was like, "Get dressed, we're going on a walk. Like, we got to make sure that this baby's going to come, because there's a lot of anxiety too with like calling your home birth midwife. Yeah. Like, no, she's going to be at my house, and I'm not going to have a baby.
1: Sure, which so at this point is the, like you would probably know is that common, like
2: common and not a problem. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I yeah I would rather ladies call mm-hmm. and not have a baby, then, well, we didn't call because we didn't know we were in labor or didn't really think so. And now there's this baby and yeah. you're not here. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Bernice was on her way. Um, I did get dressed. She, Bernice walked in to me on the hardwood floor on my side because I was having a contraction. I couldn't like be up anymore. Mm-hmm. And she told Jared, you better get the tub going. Cause I was, I was planning a water birth so he got everything going. Um, I got in and had a kid like, so she was born at 9.42 in the morning and Ooh. at 7 a.m. I didn't think I was in real labor. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, so yeah, I, you know, that whole experience, I, we have this, we have a video of our birth, of her birth and, um. I'm still in the water holding this child, and I said, I just can't believe how much easier that was mm-hmm. with Pitocin than with Pitocin, you know, because I would only ever experienced that. Sure. So, um, but really, Bernice's care of me and Lydia, my baby, during everything—like I never once doubted her, and she never once doubted me. And she, you know, the way—oh my gosh the way she did her newborn exam she's just talking to her the entire time and telling her everything she's going to do no one el- to bernice no one else is in the room it's just sure. her and this sweet little baby that she's taking care of and i was like this is crazy this woman is amazing yeah and um and that was really like that that was the seed that i needed to become a midwife cuz right even down. yeah when i was a, when i started becoming a doula my husband had mentioned something about it i was like no way man i've never Never going to do any of that. And so, yeah, that it was – so that was – she was born in 2012, 2013. Carissa, who I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. was pregnant with her second baby. And she said, I'm going to do a home birth this time. She was so low risk. There was no reason for her to go to the hospital with her first baby. And I said, well, I don't know any midwives around because Bernice is way too far away from where Carissa lives. And so she – maybe she had found a midwife in Iowa city Mm -hmm. and she went to interview her and this midwife, her name was Kathy. She said, well, I have to have a quad cities based assistant. Like if I'm going to take you on, like I have to have someone that can get there sooner than I can. Yeah. And Chris goes, I know who that is going to be. So she called me and then Kathy called me and it just was like, everything fell into place. It was like, this is what, it was definitely God and the universe and everyone saying, this is what you're going to do
1: that's cool that's very cool I feel like there's probably people that are jealous of that kind of clarity and a calling (laughs) uh okay so since since then you're now I've seen your 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 certificate a Mm -hmm. certified professional midwife
2: yeah so that means that um I did all of my training at home it's Mm -hmm. all an apprenticeship model okay so um I caught well didn't catch you you go through
1: and I've, I've, you're conversing with Rebecca I've heard this term multiple times over the past hour or so catching that's like that's like the term of oh ha- yeah I don't
2: yeah I don't like some people say delivering or but like I deliver babies I don't yeah I don't catching I don't deliver pizza I, like it. I, like I, it. I catch babies so <laughs> so yeah we um <laughs> that's so great <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah. So the apprenticeship model, it you know, it's um, organized by the North American Registry of Midwives. So you go through a certain amount of births just in as a as an observer. Narm. Yep. Narm, and um, as an observer, and then as an assistant, and then eventually, um, you go as the primary under yeah. supervision.
1: So. So how many do. do you have a do you have a tally on like what you've done? Do you know my
2: doula? I wish that I had on my doula birds because I've done, s- I it, I can't even imagine what that number is yeah. at this point. But um, for midwifery, for part of my apprenticeship, it was probably about sixty-five, Whif- which is over the amount. But sometimes you know they didn't count, so I needed to do extra. <laughs> I midwifery. Midwifery. Oh. Some people say some people that don't don't know <laughs> they say midwifery. Which is, it always makes me kind of giggle because it makes me think.
0: Wait, what was 65 you said?
2: Births uh-huh. as, as during my apprenticeship. So then on my own, so I've been doing it on my own for a year. Yeah. And we've done about a dozen babies. We
1: well, were one of those 65.
2: You were. Oh, Emily was my first catch.
0: There you go.
1: Yeah. As, uh, yes, as an apprentice or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool.
2: Yeah. That was really cool. exciting. Yeah.
1: Sweet. Makes me happy
2: every time I see her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've got the ground uh, work laid here.
0: Yeah. While you're looking at that, um, I mean, obviously we have some people interested in what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But our listeners are all over the map, right? We have men who work out a lot and want to know how they do that well, and we have women who just want to be healthy. Um, Why we're talking about this, because the point of our show is to try to help people get back to more of a lifestyle of we feel like is the best way for a human being to live. And that lifestyle then is going to help you live life, just all the different activities that you have to go through in life, experience those, and be able to do those activities well, Um, (laughs) being brought into this world as a child, and a, a woman bringing somebody else into this world That's one of the most natural things that can happen in life. Yeah. So it's also an example of something that's supposed to be completely natural and it's just Mm -hmm. been taken and made a, you know, how can we intervene as much as possible because we're smarter than
1: the human body who
0: who designed Mm -hmm. this whole process to work. Right. Um, so yeah, we want to of course promote this, you know, um, how can we get back to, not only living, living this style, but how can we also get back to bringing people into this life mm-hmm. the best way possible? And and you've already referenced it, not that there's ever not a time that interventions need to happen, but we want those interventions to be used in a way that would be beneficial for the mom or the baby mm-hmm. um, and nobody else, right? Nobody else needs that benefit except the mom and the baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you obviously have more expertise in that area than we do. So I think it's, this is uh could be beneficial for a lot of people, but specifically for women who are thinking about having a child yeah um have had children and want to have more, so we would love questions if you have them on this s- sort of stuff
1: so yes, I amen into that uh why don't we start with just like a big picture like what? What what should having a child look like? (laughs) (laughs) Like what? So one of the questions I have written down is like what is we have this term natural birth? What does that mean?
2: Um, honestly, I think it means something different for everyone. So, I think right, like Alex said, we have taken this natural thing and over medicalized it, Mm -hmm. and so I think in. In the Quad Cities, at least, I see that that's kind of backing off. You know, Genesis Birth Center um, just got their baby-friendly certification, which means that they're basically getting back to the roots of midwifery um, and, and letting birth be natural and not mm-hmm. messing with the process unless it, yeah. you know, sometimes it needs to be messed with. Um, and so, um, <coughs> it's, but it's, I think I've, I've seen it be different for everyone. Like some people, like with my two births, the only thing I knew for sure that I did not want is an epidural. And so I, I did say, you know, oh, yeah, I gave birth to both my babies naturally. Mm-hmm. But now um, I've, cha- you know, I've changed my tune. I, it's yeah. not natural if you're putting something into your body, like especially a hormone like Pitocin. And yeah. now we know, you know, all the effects of Pitocin are coming out more and more. All the research is showing us that, oh, that's why I had depression. You know, I, was, I had a really hard time postpartum with both of those girls because, um, I mean, I think because I was, you know, Put on pitocin, especially Esther, for so long. My first child, you know, I was on pit for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of a synthetic hormone going into your body. Yeah. Um, And and then all of the other hormones that go with having a baby, and after and all of it, it's just it it's too much. It's too much in your system. Yeah. So, um, I think you know the birth that I see is you know no interventions. We're not doing IVs. We're not doing any. Pitocin um, to induce or augment labor. Um, no, no, nothing, you know, moms are just trusting their bodies and having their babies, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm there if if they need something extra yeah. sure. and, you know.
0: huge. That's a huge point. So again, back to this kind of lifestyle we're trying to live, you know, there's all these studies on, um, you know, how can we eliminate this sort of disease process Uh, how can we get rid of chronic disease? How can we get rid of all these infectious diseases? So it's something that we have to do to get rid of these things when the human race wouldn't be here if some people hadn't survived all that stuff, right? So there's one point when none of that, none of the chronic stuff was happening and even the infectious stuff, some people were surviving that type of things. So same thing with the birth process right? There's been women who have been birthing babies for thousands and thousands of years mm-hmm. without all the interventions. Now there's some things that of course, babies weren't delivered because an invention intervention could have been yeah. helpful. But like, as she just said, I'm there to only intervene when it's absolutely necessary, where I feel like what's happened is just like with other um, areas of health is we forget about anything that the body can just naturally do it's we have to we're smarter and we have to intervene and we have to be the ones to make things happen but
2: a prime and kind of small example of that is um, the routine administration of antibiotic eye ointment to babies so it's something that is given to babies um, and usually about the hour maybe two hours following birth and it's to prevent eye infection due to gonorrhea we started doing this when everybody had gonorrhea in the '70s, and we've never stopped. Like, and and there's so much misinformation. You know, the hospital staff is saying, "Oh, it's to prevent all infection." You know, it's to prevent. Um, you know, baby could get sick on the way. Like, that's no, <laughs> no. You, 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 you don't have an STD. You don't need to get. You know, it's. I mean, it's amazing the way that we've not. I don't know that we've we've changed it so much, and then, even with the new evidence and new research, we're just like still doing the same why why are we doing this? right that's crazy, like, yeah,
1: the person that's actually you know in the room, you know what that's I'm assuming it's a nurse that's doing something like that most of the time, yeah, like all they're doing is regurgitating what they were taught, like mm-hmm. yep. they don't have any type of real. Opinion on the matter. It's like they have a question. Hey, why are you doing this? Oh, like this? Here's why like, Mm -hmm. you know, of course and It it, that that cycle continues. There's no there's no real Getting deeper under those questions.
2: Yeah, yeah for sure yeah, okay,
1: so I feel like one of probably the biggest questions that I know I, I know a lot of people are gonna have are like what what are some of those like complications that like even so I feel like there's this kind of way back in the day type of thing where literally you're at home, you and your husband whatever and maybe like I already referenced the good mother-in-law type mm-hmm. of thing and like that's what you've got. I feel like we've established that you have a lot of training beyond just like having a baby or two of your own. Mm -hmm. What types of things, um, you know, beyond what just Joe Schmo can figure out, okay, baby comes out, like it's attached to mom. We should probably unattach it from mom. Like at some point go from there, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Uh, what, what, like, I don't know how to say that. What like added security do you bring? And then what things are like out of, your lane per se. Yeah.
2: So, um, so I only do home birth. I only work with low risk moms. Okay. Um, so most of my clients have already had a baby. Okay. Um, and so we can kind of take some of that information, right? Did you have a heavier bleed? Were you in Mm -hmm. labor for a really long time? You know, how did your baby do, you know, all those things. Um, but then also my prenatal care again, like I practice in a lot of the same ways that Bernice did because she was one of my teachers and the way that Kathy taught me. So, my appointments are usually about an hour long. I'm getting to know, like, yes, we're doing vitals, mm-hmm. we're listening to baby and all those things, but I'm getting to know the family dynamics and, um, and how this woman works, mm-hmm. you know, and how her person what her personality is. And so, sometimes in labor, that can be a real trigger to me. You know, all of a sudden her personality has changed. Yeah, she's working and stuff like that, and you kind of expect that. But if all of a sudden something is different about her, I know that because I know her well. Sure. Um, and then, likewise, too, we do long prenatal visits so that she can trust me. So mm-hmm. she's bringing me into her home, trusting me with her body and her baby. If at some point during that process I say, you know what, it's time to go in, I. I we got to go in. I don't want to have this conversation of like, sometimes there, you can have that conversation. Is this necessary? You know, what's going on? You know, sometimes you can't, and I need you to trust me to be able to do that. Yeah. And so prenatally, we're always looking for, um, risk factors, you know, high blood pressure, um, you know, gestational diabetes, things like that, Uh um, that would maybe potentially risk her out of having a home birth with me. Um, and so then likewise during labor, you know, I mean, we're constantly taking vitals. We're constantly listening to baby, um, constantly monitoring the situation to and and it really it is all obviously you want this healthy mom and healthy baby to just stay healthy. But it's also to say, do we need to go in mm-hmm. at some point? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's I mean, that's part of it. But with me, to you know, I mean, we bring like anti hemorrhagic medications, oxygen, things like that. Mm-hmm. So there are things, you know, that, you know, I can't. Uh, we're not transferring in, you know, like with a hemorrhage right away. Like maybe you still are, but I'm at least administering the first steps to get things under control. Um, so, so yeah, and likewise in the hospital, you know, I mean, they, they're doing all of that stuff also, mm-hmm. but, but it's the extra stuff, you know, the the frequent cervical exams, the um. The, I mean, Rebecca and I were just talking about a birth that I attended as a doula, you know, where um, a woman is given an entire bag of IV fluids. Mm-hmm. Like, f- why? All you're doing is blimping her up mm-hmm. and f- making her freeze because it's the it makes you cold when they rush it into you that quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, v- vaginal exams, they, they, they have their place for sure. And, you know, so do IVs. So does all of it. All of it has its place. But... But when we're doing it frequently and without need, Mm -hmm. we're introducing more issues.
1: Just stress. And
2: stress, right. Every cervical exam increases the risk for infection. Uh Every cervical exam, you're most likely making a woman get out of the position she wants to be in. Sure. You know, um, and... You know, yeah, I, I, it's not that we don't do, I don't do cervical exams. I, I think that, like I said, there's there's a time and a place for them, but, but I want to use them sparingly. You know, I want to just yeah. come alongside this woman and let her mm-hmm. birth her baby.
1: Yeah, so, uh, granted, I've had three children, but that's the extent of my experience with knowing what happens when a human is born. Mm-hmm. But what I understand about the body, what I understand about how to be healthy and to thrive, like stress of any kind is this factor that's woven into just about anything promoting poor health and poor function. Mm -hmm. And so for me, just listening to some of those things, seeing some things with the, the experience of having our kids, like, any sort of stress seems to me like a bad idea mm-hmm. and even things that are l- looked at as like oh we're doing this as like preventative care or something it's like if that then causes more stress like did we really do anything good
2: hmm mm-hmm. yeah and i think not all you know i i I do want to say that there are really fantastic hospital providers in Mm -hmm. the Quad City area. We're super blessed with some really fantastic midwives and actually some OBs too. Um, But, but in my time as a doula, I've seen so many things where like, if you just didn't do that first thing, We wouldn't be here doing a C-section, right? But then it's like, oh man, thankfully we did the C-section because, right, the story changes, whatever, you know. But it's really that first intervention that you do to this baby and this woman, Mm -hmm. and like it cascades. You know, we talk about the cascade of interventions. You know, this one little thing, right? And now, yeah, here we are. You know, what with whatever, whatever the outcome is. So, yeah, that's. So we're, we end up causing so many problems with these things that they're trying to help with. It, right. It, it's just a cascade.
0: Why do you think they, they do, well, this is probably a complicated answer, but mm-hmm. why do you think so many interventions happen? Like even the, fir- the initial one, obviously we know like what the first intervention leads to more. But even the first intervention, Um, why do you think so many of them?
2: There's a few things, I think. Sometimes it's old hospital policy um, that needs to be updated. Or like Jarek said, maybe that there needs to be some continuing education on, you know, the benefits of like, you know, skin to skin take, for instance. You know, it it hasn't been, hadn't been common practice. Both of my daughters that were born in the hospital were immediately taken to the warmer. There was nothing wrong with them. They were crying immediately. Um, but that's just what it was. And, and if hospitals aren't updating that, then we're just always doing that same thing. We're always taking babies to warmers, taking babies to warmers when the evidence shows that really we should be doing skin to skin. Mm -hmm. So some of it is policy that needs to be updated. Some of it is continuing ed that needs to happen. Um, And super unfortunately, some of it is scheduling, you know, like maybe we've got too many ladies on the floor. Maybe this doctor has to get to whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been rare that I've seen that or, you know, heard it mentioned that like, oh, well, I've got XYZ going on. Um, Or uh, there was this one specific doula birth where this woman was, do I want an epidural? Don't I? And you know, I'm trying to help her, her partner and I both try and help her stick to this birth birth plan. It was that she did not want an epidural, but the nurse, I think came in and said something like, well, the anesthesiologist is leaving for the day. So if you want one, you got to get one now. Jeez. And it was like, w- w- what, Right? what is, yeah. So, you know, did she got the epidural Yeah. and you know, everything <coughs> works out and baby's born and, and all of that. But but dang you know just because the scheduling <laughs> conflict you know it's yeah so, so my m-
0: my purpose of asking those that question is cuz what i've seen is just this underlying philosophy on health that conventional medicine has is um, they don't want they they kind of want to take the responsibility of a person's health away from them and put it onto them mhm uh,
1: onto the to, provider.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. onto the provider, right? So it's not, hey, let's let you do this. Let's, you have this responsibility of, of, you know. So do you, do you say the mother delivers the baby then? No. What does the mother do? Births. Births the baby. Yeah. Okay, so you have this responsibility of birthing the baby. Yeah. We're here if there's 100% something that says you're not going to be able to do that and it's not gonna be good for you or not, we're gonna be good for the Uh. child, and it's somewhat of an emergency situation, right? Mm -hmm. There's no even thought of, how is this particular intervention that I'm gonna do gonna affect even three hours down the road, Mm -hmm. but let alone five years down the road, Mm -hmm. right? And we just know that that it does affect it. The health of this child how they're, del- now you're going to mess me up, okay. how they're, how they're, birth- they're birthed, yeah. Good job. how that experience happens is going to affect what happens down the road. Yeah. In the in the conventional medicine, there's no thought of that. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with um, everything else. You know, somebody has heart disease or diabetes, it's do this, don't, let's not put responsibility onto you because we can, we know how to fix this. We know how to at least keep you alive. So take this particular thing or do this particular thing. Who cares what happens down the road 10 years? Cause when something happens down the road, 10 years, we probably know what to do about that particular thing too, mm-hmm. right? To at least save your life. Right. Which right. I feel like that's kind of what it is, is. Let's make sure mom survives. Let's make sure baby survives. But however we can get this baby out, like mm-hmm. that's our job. Right. And it's this whole kind of specialty of, well, Hey, I got the baby out now. You know, it's up to, the other doctors that are specialized, whatever pediatricians or doctors mm-hmm. beyond that, that can deal with the stuff that maybe was created because of the interventions that have yeah. that have happened. Yeah. And then, I mean, and I don't obviously know how to, that whole thing gets fixed. I don't think it ever will get fixed. Yeah. Well, it's it gets fixed
2: with education. It gets fixed with empowerment, you know, to the individual. I yeah. Would say. Oh yeah. For right. sure. When, Preach. when we're sending parents in, To whatever birthing scenario that, you know, if you're going to have your baby at the hospital, even if you're going to, you have a scheduled C-section because of whatever, like if you are empowered to make decisions about your health and the health of your child, that's how it changes. That's how you say, no, it, you know, that's how even, you know, ladies are getting skin to skin contact in the O.R., now with even with a c-section you know it used to be you're strapped down mm. you you can't move that's cool you're being given medication so that you don't even remember this baby's birth right but the so the why did that ha-
0: specifically why did that happen
1: the change
2: you're saying yeah the change because of women saying i'm not going to do this anymore it's that's it. not what's going to happen i'm not going to be strapped down Damn. i you know maybe i want a clear drape so i can see the birth of my child i want this baby brought immediately to my chest and i don't want the extra medication to forget this birth, this ba- this birth of this baby. So it's, I mean, it is, it's all, it's all consumer driven. It is yeah. all consumer driven all the time. So if we're educating, we're empowering families to make those choices. That's where the chains comes, chains come, comes from, right? Sometimes but there's providers that are going to start it anyway yeah. there. And there certainly sure. are providers in the quad cities, you know, like I mentioned, Genesis being ba- baby friendly. Now mm-hmm. that was provider initiated this has got to change. We have to take care of these babies. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, which is great. I mean, the more people are getting like that. But again, what I was speaking to there, I guess, is just the overall system Mm. and the philosophy underneath that. Yeah. Um, Because I just think if, because you said you take take on low-risk moms who maybe have already had a child um, so they're, they are, they're going to be the ones that have a birth plan. They want to have it naturally. Like you've never had somebody come to you and say, Hey, I want this intervention immediately. Maybe mm-hmm. you have, but I wouldn't think you have, but there's so many uh, other women that do do that. Like mm-hmm. they know 100% as soon as they got pregnant, Oh, I'm having a C-section or I'm having, mm-hmm. you know, uh, epidural. And I think it's just because there's, there is no education to know. Like they think that that is, there's no risk to that. Mm-hmm. Short term, right. but also they don't but know that the that the first intervention potentially could lead to further interventions. But they also don't know the long term negative effects of on on the mom or baby mm-hmm. because that stuff's not been talked about. Education hasn't yeah. been given.
2: when when I was induced with Esther, my first baby. I had I have a lot of early labor, so I just contract for weeks and nobody I didn't know that that was a thing that could happen. That was normal, you know, and anything like that. So. My husband and I had been to the hospital a few times thinking we were in labor. We were not in, you know, you're in false labor. This is pretend, fake labor. Um, And so when we showed up this particular Sunday, the day before she was born, my care provider said, you know, I think you've been doing this for so long. Eventually, you're just not going to be able to do it. Like when you're in real labor, your body's not going to be able to do it. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even know that that was like a thing, like that my body would just not perform anymore. And so she's, that's why she said, you know, maybe we should start Pitocin. Nobody ever talked to me about the effects of Pitocin, um, or that my contractions would be sharp and painful the entire time or that my, you know, potentially my baby's heart rate would drop. You know, she, she ended up having to have an electrode screwed into the top of her head, um, towards the end of my labor because they couldn't trace her heartbeat correctly anymore. Um, and then, like I said, you know, her birth or the aftermath of it, I just cried. I just uncontrollably could not get yeah. control of myself. Like I, you know, nobody ever talks to you about all of those things, yeah. you know, or they didn't to me at least. I mean, I, I think that there is a little bit more informed consent happening nowadays. but, But yeah, that was never a conversation.
0: Yeah. That's scary.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is.
0: Where are we going? Oh, man. we have questions to answer? It. There or is,
1: there's one here that we should hit. So this is uh, Leah, hi, Leah. Um, and this is, I think this is a really good question, and I think this is something that um, is not uncommon, this type of story. So, like, speaking from my experience, Each of our kids have looked a little bit differently, primarily because you learn a little bit every time. You learn about other things every time, and it progresses. So that's kind of entering into this. Leah, as someone who has to had to have, sorry, an emergency cesarean with their first, Mm. when trying for my, I don't know what this abbreviation means, VBAC. Vaginal birth after cesarean. Ah okay. Something new
0: every day, Jarek. Uh
1: with okay. With my second, what is the biggest factor for that uh for that being su- successful? Um she's saying PS used Carissa and Oh yeah. Adrian. Let me see. Um, oh yeah for the first using Carissa again.
2: Cool. So yeah, I mean I think that you're set up really well with having a doula for sure. Um and you've got a good childbirth education. Um, having a supportive care provider is going to be huge. Um, and having a birth plan. And then aside from those things, you know, things like staying active during your pregnancy, eating good food. You know, I always say eat good, feel well. Um, you're you're going to set yourself up for an easier time for sure. Um, staying hydrated. Um, there's a really fantastic the a few really fantastic prenatal yoga classes in the quad cities too um just to kind of help you stay you know loose and limber and then chiropractic care I mean if you're getting regularly adjusted then you're gonna have you're gonna have an easier time you know I don't obviously I don't know the circumstances with your emergency c-section and you know like I said before like I I want to save space for the, the things that need to happen like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we, we want to be careful about saying like everybody can do a natural birth. Um, so obviously I don't know the circumstances surrounding that, but, um, so but can, yeah,
0: you, can you say like, what is the, like, why is that an issue? One C-section and then now having another child, like what are some of the things? Well, that
2: there are some risk factors there. So, you know, if, um, I mean, there's definite risk of, like, uterine abruption. I mean, it's the biggest thing that we worry about mm. because now we've opened the uterus in a way it's not supposed to be opened. Okay. You know, so the risk is lower because we're doing, um, they are doing C-sections in, in a way that provides for a chance for back, an easier chance for back the next okay. time. Um, so, I mean, that's, like, your biggest risk factor.
0: So is the other risk, like, whatever happened that led to the f- first emergency C-section, they're kind of assuming that that's going to happen again so that th- they um, shouldn't do a...
2: Not, not, no. It used to be, you know, once a C-section, always a C-section. And sometimes it is, depending on how you, how the surgery was performed and all that stuff, you might really have to have a C-section again. Yeah. Um, that's not typically the case. And I don't think, I, I know a tiny bit of Leah's story um, because she used my team, but... Um, uh, I don't think that's the case for her. I think that, you know, she's probably a really good candidate. But like I said, keeping your body um, keeping your body healthy is what's going to do right. it for you. You know, plant-based diet, um, the meat that you're eating should be good meat. And we have, you know, we have really, really good sources for, for good meat in the Quad Cities. Um, staying hydrated, you know, those kinds of things are, are going to be good. And yeah, like I said, chiropractic care.
0: Um, well, then there's the stress stuff that we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Like that's that could be a stressful situation knowing that you... Oh, my gosh. You know, that stuff has to come back in your head. Mm-hmm. Of you wanted yeah. to have this natural birth and then the emergencies happened. Mm-hmm. And then now you're put back in that same situation. Right. So what's going to happen to you psychologically?
2: Sometimes if there's trauma... Now, some some ladies, they'll be laboring along maybe and then they'll have a C-section. And that doesn't feel traumatic to them because... Mm, They, uh, they think, okay, like that, that needed to happen because of X, Y, Z. It doesn't, it doesn't have to inflict trauma. Um, some ladies though, regardless of if it needed to happen or not, regardless of, 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 you know, now I've got this healthy baby, you know, my recovery wasn't bad. Everything worked the way it should for that situation. They will have, they, they will carry that. Yeah. And so going into your next birth, I mean, that's a really great point at making sure that you're really working through mm-hmm. feelings that you might have, yeah. um, and, and, you know, seeking professional help if, if it's necessary for sure, because bringing those things. And like I said, in my own story, you know, and, and feeling like I didn't think that my body could even do it because right? I mean, you know, even being hooked up to Pitocin doesn't seem like it's a traumatic event. And I didn't think it was before I was going into my third birth and trying to, do it naturally um so so yeah really working through those feelings before you get to your birth is going to be is going to be really beneficial too
0: yeah yeah I mean, i would th- gosh there's so many th- things there that if you compare how birth happens now again thousands of years ago where people were just <laughs> you know living in the jungle and mm-hmm. Birthing babies outside or, hey, people in, you know,
2: still live in the jungle and have their babies outside.
0: Right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that correction. Um, like they, nutrition, of course, was on point. They were mm-hmm. active. There was less toxicity than mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, but for sure, the, um, I just, f- again, feel like there's so many more psychological things that have happened or that can happen to just compound the negative effects that can yeah. happen because of you know, the, all those potential interventions. Um, it could just bring so much trauma mm-hmm. and that's something that we don't, I don't think we appreciate enough of how, how much where we're at emotionally, where we're at mentally oh, yeah. can just. Throw and I think,
2: Oh, you know, a lot of it has to do with the physical aspects of labor. You know, if something didn't go as planned or whatever there's there's physical trauma there but there's also the emotional and mental trauma when a care provider or a nurse someone at the hospital or you know maybe even your spouse is not being supportive or not treating you the way that you should be treated when you're in labor especially and i think a lot of that um you know there's so much research about how our body and how our mind holds on to that and it's four years. I mean, it's oh too, yeah. you know, into, you know, people even that are experiencing dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that. They can yep. still recall the way that they were treated when they Oof. had their babies. Yeah. And I mean, we've got to. Yeah. I mean, at the very base level, you know, how we're caring for their physical being aside. You have to love and respect women when they're going through it.
1: Yeah, man. So the question was. I had this experience Mm -hmm. last time I had a child how can I change that this time the answer I heard the professionals give was similar to if the question was I got the flu last winter Mm -hmm. how do I avoid the flu this winter eat well move have low stress uh, like, yeah, chiropractic care, like,
2: hydrate,
1: hydrate, like, okay, we like sleep well, like, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. <laughs> well, because I mean, I guess that that situation is a <laughs> like little bit different. Put like, your, like,
1: put your body in a state where it can thrive.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, because it, what is happening is that's sup- natural. That's right. what's supposed to happen. Right. It's not some like, you know. You're not I sick. guess you could be. Yeah. Well, you're not sick, but also like. We were the flu is not something completely brand new that the body doesn't know how to deal with. Body knows how to deal with the flu. Mm-hmm. It just is what state is the body in? Yeah. Can it adapt to what it's been exposed to? Yeah, a woman's body is is designed to deliver to birth a child. Gotcha. Um, so what, how would we do that best? You're, you're healthy when right? you're
2: in your optimal state. Yeah,
0: what is a, I've been listening to a lot of. Uh, a guy named Louis Simmons. Uh, what is he? What would he be? A weightlifting coach or a powerlifting no, coach? Powerlifter. He a power lifter. Say, he calls it GPP, just general physical preparedness. Physical preparedness, right? There's specific things like if I'm a basketball player, there's some specific physical preparedness that I have to do to know how to be the best basketball player. But there's just also this general thing that I need to do to be an athlete, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's generally, if this is a natural process that's supposed to happen, then there's general preparedness of being as healthy GPP. as you possibly can be. Mm-hmm. There's also potentially some specific things, which is why you would need a professional to help you with, with yeah. a lot of those things with yeah. the, with the, you know doulas and midwives and obstetricians, and things like that. Um, but, yeah, just the general preparedness is going to be, I would say, a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know?
2: And Leah, I don't know if this plays into your story at all, but maybe it does with someone else. But we want to always look at optimal fetal positioning. And so sometimes even though, right, this is something your body and your baby are going to work together to do. Um, we get, still get compound presentations where baby's just a little bit wonky or maybe breach or has a hand up, um, things like that. Um, so if not you, not the actual
0: baby being wonky, the position of the baby the being wonky. Yeah. The okay.
2: ba- yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's what I told in my head. You just saw, um, the baby is not wonky. Um, but uh so if you want to check out spinning babies um they she has a really great website and some different exercises and things that you can do to make sure that um your baby is in the most optimal position that that baby can be in give you an easier chance to with doing a VBAC. Yeah. But I do want to encourage you that like absolutely VBACs are possible. Women do it all the time. Um and yeah, you you can do it. I promise you yeah. you can do it if you you know, if you're if you're trying for that and, and, um, and focused, you can, you can get it yeah. done for sure.
0: Yeah. That's another good point. Like, you know, the, what we just said of all the different parts of health of eating well and exercising and staying away from toxicity, sleeping, all those things that we know just to be generally prepared. If somebody has diabetes, they still need to do the same stuff, but they probably need to hyper-focus on it to get out of that state where this might be a situation where, you know, she, this, it's the same requirements, but she probably needs to hyper focus a little bit, <clears throat> excuse me, because of she knows, you know, if this is going to go well, there's, I can put my body in the, in a position to well, mm-hmm. have the best chance of what you just said yeah. can happen.
2: Yeah. And that doesn't just go for, you know, getting a VBAC or, or just having a vaginal birth period, but it goes for having the easiest time postpartum too, you know, like you don't just have a baby, you have a baby and then like you have to like keep it alive (laughs) and like nurse it and also pee with sutures and all that stuff, all the stuff that goes into postpartum. So if you, if your body is working at its optimal level, you're going to have an easier time postpartum too.
1: Yep. Yeah. Um, I know there's like I feel like we've barely even graced the surface of all the other different ways yeah. that we can go here.
0: Well, there was a question that we also wanted to hit on about. Um, interesting. I just got an email about that specific question. Really. Um. So let's hit on a different question. So. Um,
1: for starters, I know I don't know what's going on with Alex's mic. You're gonna have to go back. I promise it'll be on iTunes and YouTube and all that stuff.
0: So if they watch this later on Facebook Live, it's not gonna be.
2: I don't know. No, I think if it's not I think if out. it's
1: out there now, it won't be there. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what's going
2: on. I don't know. I'll I'll <laughs> figure it out. You should have had the cool mic.
0: Um. Yeah. <laughs> So let's hit on, if there's no other questions, we, again, love to have questions. Um, you wanted to talk about something specific. I did. That's related, obviously.
1: Yeah, because yeah, there's plenty of stuff that we can shoot the.
0: Yeah. 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 Go ahead.
2: Do you want me to? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about breastfeeding um, because it's near and dear to my heart. So with my first two kids, um, you know, I had them, everything, you know, was great. They were healthy. Um, and then breastfeeding just did not go well. Um, I couldn't figure out how to have a good latch. Esther was okay. My first baby, her, I think her latch was okay. But they weren't gaining weight. Um, and we went to a um, traditional mainstream pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And so um, by f- day five... She wasn't gaining anything, and she had lost too much weight, and so she was put on formula at day five. Um, and I didn't question it. I mean, I wanted to just nurse her, but I was also, you know, I didn't have any friends that had had babies. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. Um, and so we did that. She, she still, we still nursed a tiny bit for a, a short amount of time, but um, but we switched her to formula kind of right away, and she gained, and everything was fine. Second baby comes around, I'm like, I'm gonna do it this time. I'm gonna nurse this kid because formula, like, there's so much that goes into bottle and formula feeding. You know, it's smells. You gotta wash all the components and everything. It
0: smells when it comes out the other way too.
2: Oh, it's so bad. I did not want to do that, and everything is stained all the time. So I was like, I'm not gonna do that again. So Abigail's born, and her latch was terrible. And so not only am I in a lot of physical pain, she is also not gaining still the same pediatrician you gotta start her on formula i i did kind of buck the system a little bit more um but uh she just was not she was lost way too much and so again um you know we started on formula and um she screamed for several months no matter what formula we did she mm-hmm. just cried and cried and cried spit up everything she was just the Oh she was she was in pain and it was not yeah. working um it didn't matter what we did and um you know and I'm crying the whole time too cuz because sure. I'm freaking out and yeah and uh so we um we eventually went to raw goat's milk it's not something that's for everyone I don't want that to be a blanket like everybody should do this but we um super good friends of ours you know my friend is holding this crying baby and I'm just freaking out and he finally said, Have you thought about goat's milk? And I was like, dude, I don't care what you put into this child to make her stop screaming at me. Like, let's do it. And so we did and we never looked back and she it was like you gave I gave birth again to this different person. She stopped crying. And she was gaining and she was healthy and everything. So then you know, right, I become a doula and I have this home birth and that was also a lot of the anxiety going into her birth that we were going to have the same issues. Mm-hmm. And so um, nobody had ever looked at me and said, maybe this isn't going to work because of whatever. Um, it was always like, oh, I don't know, you just don't produce enough. And so um, with Lydia, when I was pregnant with Lydia, um, youngest, my, li- my youngest, I reached out to an IBCLC, um, which is an international board certified lactation consultant. Um, and I said, I can't do this again. You know, I, I don't wanna do formula again. I really, really wanna nurse this kid and I need, I need help to do that. And so prenatally, we met a few times. She looked at my anatomy and um, diagnosed me like preliminary. She wanted to wait until I had the baby to really give me a super superficial with um, insufficient glandular tissue, which means I probably do produce enough, but I can't store it. Mm. Um, and so we knew that going in and honestly even that like was like a weight lifted off my shoulders like this is just how my body is and it, there's nothing I can do about it and like it doesn't have to be stressful mm-hmm. so going into her birth um, I had two good friends of mine that were due around the same time one um, always produces like an overabundance of milk and so, my IBCLC had said, you know, have you thought about milk sharing? And I said, I don't, didn't even know that was a thing. So
1: It's like a black market. Yeah, 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 yeah. So,
2: um, so I had set it up with um, these two friends that if, um, if I ran into the same problems, that they would help. And so, but we had also, you know, I was taking a lot of different supplements and herbs to try to get me to the point where I was producing enough mm-hmm. for this child. So she's born her latch was "Mm, we need a little bit of help but um she had a little bit of a tongue tie too um so we got that corrected um and we went four weeks she had dropped a little bit and then just like plateaued like she was not gaining anything Mm -hmm. and so so i said okay you know we're gonna we're gonna do this and so we started um we started supplementing at that point with donor milk and I had a something a system called a supplemental nursing system that I um it was just like a little it looks like a little breast milk bag with a straw and so while she was nursing this straw could be in her mouth and she could be getting enough <laughs> from me and ah, donor milk does okay. that make sense yeah so um so we did you know we were doing frequent weight checks because you, you know yeah yes I want to breastfeed but I also want this child to be gaining and and doing well so she started to gain weight and so we kind of figured out exactly the
1: like ratio yeah how much extra
2: milk are we gonna need so that worked for like six months and then um and then my donor dropped her supply super dropped which is um normal for around six months and so um I had about a month of driving around for like four ounces here four ounces there like it was It was really difficult, but I was not going to go back to formula. And um, then we got in contact with a lady up in Dubuque. A friend of a friend of a friend um, had this entire freezer full of milk. And did you want it? And I said yes. We'll be there this weekend. Like we'll we'll get it. And so she, I I added everything up because they were all in breast milk bags, you know, which are by ounces. So I added everything up, and it was eight gallons of milk that I had gotten from this mom. And that took us to a year. And then she contacted me again, and she had another huge stash. And I said, well, she's over a year now, you know, if there's another mom. And she said, no. Like, I, I just really feel like I want Lydia to have this. I said, okay. So we went up there, and it was another six gallons. And that took her, you know, to 18 months or so. So That's I cool. breastfed Lydia for four years. And um, really, I mean, I wouldn't have, you know, supplementing with formula and especially supplementing with bottle feeding is really difficult because – then you're not stimu- baby's not stimulating you to mm-hmm. produce more milk, mm-hmm. so um anyway, I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about that or I did want to share my story I guess about that because um donor milk is usually just something that's like, uh, I don't know about that um and that pediatricians by and large are just saying, you know, go to formula you know and and not only that but um. Now Genesis doesn't do this anymore. I don't know if you still get it at Trinity, um, but you get you go home with this cute little diaper bag and everything with formula samples in it, right. and then you get formula samples um, in the mail, right. and then you get coupons in the mail from formula companies. And now they have like formula for your toddler to make your toddler better, and now they have something that they're marketing to moms to make your milk better. Even formula mm. companies are garbage companies, and. I think, you know, the World Health Organization tells us that babies should be fed first with breast milk and second uh, from breast milk from mom's own breast. So they should be at breast. Um, If that's not possible, they should be fed um, uh, with mom's milk, whatever that looks like, if it's a Uh bottle or a cup feeding or syringe feeding, things Uh like that. Um, Then they should be given donor milk. Uh And we're not talking donor milk like, you know, there are milk banks that freeze and refreeze milk and they... Um, heat it to kill most of the good stuff and all the bad stuff. And no, I'm talking just mom to mom. We're just helping everybody out. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not paying for anything. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah. So the World Health Organization is even telling us, like, way down the line is formula. Um, So I just kind of wanted to put it out there that, you know, there are moms in the Quad Cities that either have an overabundance or need it. And that we should, you know, I mean, we should be coming together. We should be raising these kids together, you know, even if that that's what that looks like, you know, that, that we're just sharing milk between each other and, and making sure that our babies are thriving. Yeah. Man. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just another example of the lack of education of people thinking that, whether it's a doctor telling them that or media telling them that, mm-hmm. um, that formula is just as good as... Or not maybe just as good, but it's, it's a close second to breast oh, milk, Right. you know? And the only problem is maybe some people are, some babies are sensitive to cow's milk or some are sensitive to the other different types of milk when it's not even, like it's no, no comparison. Mm-hmm. No. And not just the nutrient content. I mean, that's, that's the only thing that they can make similar right. the nutrient mm-hmm. content but just the connection of what happens also that you just referenced that baby is stimulating more production of milk, but also mm-hmm. what nutrients the body needs, the baby needs it's stimulating that too. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah. I mean, again, we don't want it to say you're evil if you do formula. That's no, not no, what we're no, saying, not at all. but it's just, if it, we don't want you to have a lack of education and think that, you shouldn't fight like you what well, you just explained there that, that was a fight right mm-hmm. yeah. you said hey I want to do this and I'm gonna figure out I'm not just gonna settle I'm gonna figure out how can I have the best for for mm-hmm. my child and I think every mom would do that if they were educated on mm-hmm. wh- oh, the yeah. big, how big well, of a deal it is to right
2: and even with the formula that I had put with at Esther and Abigail my first two like I was I'm doing the best I can with yeah. the knowledge that I have yeah right. but between you know, my second and third child, I gained more knowledge and so I could do better, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So two kind of big pieces in that story made me think about um, one of the pillars that might be somewhat unique to kind of our philosophy of health is this pillar of living in community. Mm-hmm. And how we really think that that is a key piece of health in many, many different areas, and two of the pieces I heard in that story were your first experience having a child. You didn't necessarily have anybody else to go to. Mm-hmm. You didn't have friends who were doing this. you were just kind of left isolated on your own to have to make a decision. Mm-hmm who knows if you had some people around you to be able to share their experiences with like you know something different might have happened and then with your most recent it's like i i know from experience multiple moms who have been exactly that they've been you know they have way more milk than they need who can i help with this Mm -hmm. you know like that's not that's not uncommon Yeah. Uh, when you're, you know, living life with other people, you know, in obviously in this case, in similar seasons of life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's, it's, it was pretty amazing. And, you know, yeah, there, I mean, I just didn't know about, you know, La Leche League, which there's the La Leche League over the Quad Cities if you want to check them out on Facebook. Um, and there's a QC milk sharing group. Too that, um, that I set up because I want you set it up. Yeah, yeah. Nice.
1: Sweetness. Um,
2: I it's just it's really, and most communities have that. You know, I mean, they're. I don't know if these things are around anymore, but I used to um, help out on Facebook pages for like human milk for human babies. Um, I think the other one is oh, I can't remember what the other one is called. But there's there are resources out there, you know. And like I said, you know, World Health Health Organization is telling us. These are the things that should happen. The evidence is there. Like, let's do it.
1: Yeah. So that, that was kind of my next question. You mentioned some resources for the milk sharing. Mm-hmm. What other resources are there for people for, like, across the spectrum? You know, mothers looking for education, mothers looking for, you know, consulting like all this stuff what what kinds of things are out there for people
2: um there's there's a thing called quad city birth coalition which i think that they usually have a good list a running list of like educators and things like that we do have quite a few good educators um, in the quad cities um and uh and good providers i like i said you know i mean i'm not advocate like home birth isn't for everyone Mm -hmm. and i i want to be sensitive to that but Um, There are really fantastic providers that we have in the Quad Cities. And so, um, you know, knowing that you can reach out to different providers, too, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know. um, But those resources should be on the Quad City Birth Coalition page as well. Um, And locally, I mean, yeah, I think that the Birth Coalition page really has a lot of, you know, a lot of the information that I would even say. Um,
0: And what is your company called again? Little Little Lambs. Lambs. Little Lambs
2: Birth Services. Little Lambs.
0: Little Lambs Birth Services. (laughs) That's cool. Uh,
2: So, so yeah, and just getting plugged into community. You know, I think that that's a big thing with the Leche League um, is, you know, it's moms. It's a peer-led group. Mm -hmm. And so it's moms helping moms and just getting together. You know, they get together two or three times a month. So being around, even prenatally, you know, I really, first-time moms especially, recommend, you know, you go and just sit with moms who are breastfeeding. You know, I think our, our society is kind of lifting off of their, like, breastfeeding ban. But, you know, it seems like when I had my first baby, you know, I would always cover up. And not that there's anything wrong with covering up. But but breastfeeding is normal. And it's good. And it's what should happen. It's good for you. It's good for your baby. And But so often... And that had been my experience. I had never seen anyone breastfeed. It's like
1: good for the people who don't like watching it too to deal with their insecurities. huh.
2: It is. And and state law in Illinois and Iowa protects breastfeeding moms across the across the border. So That's cool. Don't feel like, you know, you can't do it. So Yeah. So anyway, yeah, being in community is good.
1: Um I'm I'm going on to my Notes. M- My bonus here.
0: Bonus <laughs> you
1: actually, You actually opened one of them. Uh, your goat friend. I'm goat friend. that's the mad farmer. They are the mad
2: farmers, yeah.
1: Uh, are they just good friends of yours? Yeah. Or?
2: yeah they. Um, we've known Ian for a long time. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're happy to be present when Ian and Hannah got married. And they have these three beautiful kids. Um, we actually had the opportunity to live out there for a summer. Um, we sold our house in three days and... Wow. Didn't want. I know it was crazy. Didn't want to feel pressured to um, buy. You know, buying houses huge, and uh-huh. we didn't want to feel pressured to to jump into that. And so, um, we bought a camper on Craigslist nice. and, and lived there for four months. Yeah, with three girls. Uh-huh. Wow, that's it cool. A, it was a very small w- camper. When was that? Uh, 2016. Oh, very recent. Yeah. Wow, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, it was cool. Like, cause you know, I I had the opportunity to help Ian and Hannah harvest and take care of animals and stuff like that it was awesome
1: cool and so now you have your own like backyard garden thing i do or? yeah okay yeah
2: cool. yeah but i still do really like going out there and helping them yeah that place is where the magic happens yeah he's it's amazing
1: he's somebody who we would like to uh chat with yeah, for yeah. sure yeah and hannah like she had there. a baby
0: outside by the fire really yeah. were
1: you there
2: no i wasn't oh. <laughs> i don't think anybody was there it was very fast Huh. I think Ian. Ian was there. Ian was right there. Anyway, yeah. So, Ian um, had to been doing so he they was are milking a goat. Or I, <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta take care of all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, they they have they are doing good work and actually like a really good source for good local meat too. They're selling goat meat yeah. at the yeah. farmers market. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's cool. I laughed. There's hard
0: about I don't know 15 people probably that started making kombucha. From scoby that I've given them and yes Ian's who gave me the scoby, oh, yeah. Yeah. so it's I think I've got another He
2: does thing. every like they do, like we went out there for oh it was tacos and like we ate goat meat that they raised everything. Ian's like making tortillas. I was is like, that what the, the? is that
1: the day you had all those avocados? Is, was that
2: the no thing? that was that oh. was International Day of the Midwife. You're oh. we just partying for midwives, Ian. Gotcha. Um, so. Midwiffs. <laughs> mid- mid- whiffs, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they, Ian brews his own beer now. They're growing. What? Yeah. It's, it's, like I said, it's where the magic happens out there.
1: Ian, you can invite us over. Yeah. Just, just saying. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Uh, can you talk about the importance of positive support for pregnancy, birth, and moms? I might've missed this. Stephanie. We did, we did speak to that a little bit. That's my assistant. Yeah. Oh.
2: She, yeah. Positive support. I mean, Stephanie, so, uh, she works with child abuse Council. She works with a lot of at-risk moms and stuff like that, um, that don't have that good support. And yeah, yeah, I mean, that is the, some of the doula where I've been, um, able to serve, you know, if if a mom comes in and and um, the laboring woman does knows, you know, this mom is not supporting me, my mom's not supportive of me, my mother-in-law, my friend or whatever, not supportive of this natural, mm. man, it, it changes everything. We, I had it's actually... A
1: na- it's a new level of added stress. Yeah,
2: right, yeah. right. Um, so kind of going back to, you know, these longer prenatal visits and everything, we were serving this Mennonite woman... Um, first baby and she um, is doing really well and her mom comes in and I was assisting another midwife and the midwife noticed right away something in her face had changed and so she said I want you to take heart tones and do vitals real quick it wasn't even time for it and I said okay her blood pressure was a little elevated not to a dangerous level and her baby's heart rate was a little elevated again not to a dangerous level but not what it had been and uh, um, and it didn't occur to either of us at the time, but we, we ended up transferring her in because it was just outside of the realm Dang. of normal. Sometimes you transfer in because this is just not what it has been. Uh-huh and we, we should go in. And she had a perfectly healthy baby, like seven minutes after we got to the hospital. <laughs> but in retrospect, it was like, Oh, this mom, not really. The mom was supportive <coughs> of her having this baby at home and like everything. This is how they've done it in their community. And that's is great. But that stress of her mom, yeah. it like blew everything up, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, absolutely important to know, um, you know, that your team is your team. Like you've, you've, you know your spouse and a potential doula um anybody that comes in your room wherever you are if you're laboring and birthing at home if you're laboring and birthing at the hospital if you're not feeling the vibe of whatever nurse comes in she doesn't like your birth plan she doesn't like whatever kick her out yeah kick her out you don't your care is giving you grief about whatever during pregnancy you know a decision that you've made because of like you know The research that you've done, I've made this decision, it's on my birth plan, the care provider doesn't like it, find someone else. At any time of your pregnancy, 39, 40 weeks, you've got to find another care provider if you're not supported, because that's what's going to make or break it. And I kind of talked about that a little bit with Leah, you know, making sure their care provider is supportive of her doing the feedback. Yeah. It's, it's vital.
1: Yeah. Right. Because that support, like that support or not having that support alone can change the situation completely. If you, like, it's like if you have the support, you are in a, like, peaceful state, Mm -hmm. you're putting your, setting your body up for success. If you are in the room where you know, like, you feel like this person's judging you the whole time, that might literally be the factor that is setting you over, like, you can't handle that stress, and it's Mm going to cause something bad to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and honestly Stephanie could probably talk about that more than than I could. I mean it's just such a such a huge factor.
1: Yeah, that was good. Thanks, Stephanie. Uh what so never mind. Never <laughs> mind. I was just gonna say if she was like a resource for people to go to
2: Yeah, Child Abuse Council, absolutely. Yeah. They they serve the Rock Island County. They're trying to get um into Scott County right now. Um Okay. They, uh, they're amazing. They do such good work prenatally and postpartum. They stick with um, the family until I think the kid is five years old. Like wow. they are an amazing resource.
1: Wow. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, back to my bonus stuff. Uh, yes. Uh, your I really like your lettering stuff my favorite oh yeah (laughs) my favorite was the this is bonus stuff you don't even know about the tupac quote
2: (laughs) that was (laughs) on my passion planner
1: in all this fancy lettering yeah yeah yeah. plus the scribble out of the bad letters
2: yeah 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 oh man i messed that up so i just recently started doing calligraphy and um, i
1: I wondered if that was the actual name of it
2: yeah 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 yeah. or like hand lettering some people call it hand lettering if it's not traditional calligraphy but i uh i just did a uh, quote out of my passion planner from Tupac Shakur, I think it's like. Uh, nice. I might Sorry, not be the change, but I'm gonna a-
1: affect the mind of affect the, the mind of is, the change. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes. A Good one. I liked that. Um, you're an avid reader. Yes. You're posting pictures of books yeah. like every yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. Different, I, different I really ones. like reading.
0: She she used to be a power lifter.
2: I used to be a power lifter. Really? Why not anymore? That's where we need to go.
0: Um, <laughs> we, need, we need to ask that question? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, I was getting up at 5 o'clock every morning. Me too. And, um, me, me too. too. Uh, that's really hard for me. I am not a morning person. Okay. That's Wait, true.
0: you're up in the middle of the night with moms who <laughs> are birthing babies.
2: That's different. That's different. <laughs> that's different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Remember, yeah. we talked
0: about this general... Preparedness. GPP. yeah if You're yeah, waking yeah, yeah. up every day at five AM. It's should be easier to get up. I know.
2: Well listen, I just started I so I go to the Y though. Okay. I don't I I should power lift again because I really did like it. But I just started going to the Y and I did I didn't know you had an in body scan here. Oh,
0: what, what is it called? The scale. You thing. say
2: it. What is it called? The
0: oh the body fat thing the plates. The body fat thing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. That. The technical term has. is the body fat thing. Anyway, I did it at the Y because I didn't know you had it here. And I've lost 10 pounds since I started and gained more muscle. Nice. I started at the Y. So that's pretty good. There there you go. Go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You powerlifting there? Or are you on the elliptical?
2: Yeah. No, I do a group exercise.
1: Oh, okay. There's a class at the Y? Yeah.
2: Okay, yeah.
0: cool. Yeah. Like
2: yeah, a few of I- them. Interval
1: training stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. Yeah.
0: Whatever floats body pump. Whatever floats your
1: boat.
2: No, I do body flow. Body flow. <laughs> <laughs> body pump is like... There you got to have like 16 different things on. It's like too much for my mind. Hmm. And tone, body tone is the other one. I, I don't think. know what these. It's fine. It's fine. Words are. Books. Yes, <laughs> I like to read. I, I read a lot of books. <laughs> I started this reading challenge this year, so I'm like, it gives you different prompts, and so I'm reading a lot of different books that I never, I would have never picked up before. Oh okay. But like because the prompt is like read a book about you know, death. That's an example. Oh, Sorry, wow. Red Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. Super great book. A lot of, some of it is a little bit, maybe too intense for some people, but that is pretty it's cool. a really good book.
1: You two, you two <coughs> can debate this one. Uh, Donut Delight or they, Donuts and They more? can't hear me. Uh, so. Okay. Are you even kidding me? Is this a debate for you? No, I saw it on Nessa from you.
2: Oh, from me? Yeah. Okay. Donut Delight and Donuts and More. Okay. So...
1: Alex is just probably the most passionate donut person in the room. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you don't eat donuts. What? Do you eat donuts?
1: <laughs> I do eat donuts. It's like his—it's like his it. dirty little secret.
2: <laughs> Every, well, everyone knows now. Okay, so old fashions from both places are good. Okay. But Donut Delight has chocolate old fashions, and they have really good coffee. And that's the one. That's the one on. That's the on. Avenue. Yep, on the avenue.
0: New owners of Donuts and More. Did I see did that? see
1: that
2: in the, the, oh, yeah, in the free I
1: did. paper that we did yeah. for some reason.
0: A couple of weeks ago at our MC gathering, we had some new people, so we did a icebreaker. And we said, uh, what would you be doing if you weren't working with your current career? And I said, I don't a donut <laughs> <laughs>
2: Would you really?
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if Dr. Alex wasn't so Dr.
2: Alex, he'd be... Doctor Donut. Doctor Dr. Donut. Dr. donut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking <laughs> of speaking of donuts, have you ever been to Tommy's?
0: Yeah, that I haven't been. I mean, I've been there, but I haven't eaten there. But I've
1: yeah. had the donuts there. I've yeah, enjoyed
0: a, a Tommy's donut.
1: Uh, as I, this, I was actually thinking about this, my little coffee thing here, thinking about uh, speaking to the effect of. Eating good food and the difference between like the actual dopamine, the good, good response that's happening when you might be eating something that's bad. I was wondering how much of uh, the energy I get from drinking something like this is actually caffeine or is just me being happy to drink yeah. it?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 That's what it is. It's the happiness that, that yeah. coffee gives you.
1: Uh, you went to the Dominican Republic.
2: I did. To help birth yeah, babies. Yeah. I, um, I wasn't going to take very much time off last summer um, off of, like, so I just take chunks where I don't take any due dates. Um, But I did, and a friend of mine said, hey, you should come with us to the Dominican Republic. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's kind of a lot of money. And I did have this one lady do, and then all of a sudden, her blood pressure went up, and I had to transfer out of care. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh man, okay." So then I raised the money in some ridiculous amount of time. Like, I can't. People were just like, "Yeah, you should do this," and threw money at me. It was it was crazy. Um, Bought a plane ticket, and yeah, we were down there for two weeks. Um, I caught nine babies while I was there. So we were working in a free hospital. Um, It's government funded super just man they just are, you know struggling with not having sure. um adequate supplies and things like that um and just so many people and 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 no real way to educate them a lot of the ladies mm. didn't have really any prenatal care so you really don't know what you're getting into as a provider also yeah. um and then you, you know you're saying oh you're you're nine centimeters like you're almost there like you can do this you know and she has no idea like what did you even measure like i yeah. what's a cervix yeah there's no um just no they have no prenatal education at all so yeah. it was it was hard it was really hard we had a lot of um just a lot of hard stuff yeah it was hard but it was beautiful i got to see the ocean for the first time <laughs> i think if you're gonna see the o- wait until you're 32 to see the ocean for the first time you should probably go to an island to do it <laughs> um it was super awesome so it was a really great experience i'd love to um I love to go into missions more. That's cool, especially with midwifery. It was a, it was just a really amazing experience. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I learned a lot.
1: Sweet. So this really centered a lot around birth itself. We talked a little bit about um, breastfeeding there, mm-hmm. but there's still lots of other kind of, r- I suppose you'd call it reproductive health things that we want to hit on um you can look forward to that um yeah any last last words there
0: no um (coughs) i guess just setting that up if there are questions about reproductive health um that you can just post on our page we'd (laughs) love to i mean we're going to give a general yeah i mean there was one specific question that kind of sparked this about birth control Uh um maybe some dangers to that so that'll be a focus of a show but yeah just, you know, infertility or, um, you know, any anything like anything about reproductive health will we'll hit on.
1: Family planning, contraceptives, sex hormones. Yeah. All that jazz. Cool.
0: All that jazz. So, sweet. Um, so, do you have something that people. F- like do you have a social media thing that people can follow you on? Yeah, or? you can
2: follow me on Instagram. You can find me pretty easily on Instagram. It's M W O R I R E, So
1: Double spelled out M Double D O U B L E. Yeah.
2: But I think you can just search Sarah Moore and probably find me pretty easily.
1: Oh. Yeah. I, I I tagged her in a post Yeah. Today. I'll tag her more once I put this up. Yeah. Sorry about the audio thing. I have no idea what would have happened, but um I'll get on uploading this to the other places and you can hear anything insightful alex had to say is that still running did my phone's off just shut off okay so we lost the little exit there it's all right okay <laughs> facebook and facebook alone thank you uh thank you sarah yeah this is great absolutely thank you very much this i'm great. glad we finally did this you're successfully the longest episode ever oh my
0: gosh here we go <laughs>
1: great before before last week, like almost two times, actually. <laughs> Jeez. <But> anyway, <laughs> cool. Uh, All right. Lots to talk about. Yeah. Later.